0: Welcome, everyone, to the podcast Unanswered Questions with Pastor Tim Cole. This is a podcast where we talk about tough theological and Christian living questions sent in by people just like you. Our hope is that listening will strengthen your confidence in God's Word, helping you to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. If you have any questions, please send them to questionsforpastortim at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us for our second episode of the podcast Unanswered Questions with Pastor Tim Cole. Uh, today we're going to be answering uh, the question, What is a canonical approach to the Bible? We're going to be giving specific examples from the Old Testament.
1: I'd like to start giving uh, one example from uh, the Old Testament that illustrates what I mean by a canonical approach. And I hope you don't get um, confused by the word canonical. It simply is an attempt to explain that the Bible is a unit. It's one picture. It's a, it's a GPS system that shows a beginning point and then a destination. It's a long journey. It's a big road. And a canonical approach helps you to navigate your way from the start to the finish. For example, one um, section of the Bible in Genesis 5 looks like what we would call a genealogy of death. It's an obituary. It's an obituary of the descendants of Adam, who, in fulfillment of the promise that God said, you will surely die, sure enough, everybody who is born dies. And the phrase, and he died, and he died, and he died, is mentioned eight times in Genesis 5. Now, it's unnecessary for us to ask the question, or it is necessary, I should say, to ask the question, why are we telling us that? All these people died when if you tell me that he lived for 300 years, that tells me automatically he died. But the author includes that phrase to emphasize that everyone died. But there's an exception. The seventh man from Adam, whose name is Enoch, didn't die. It says God took him. And the reason that God took him and that he didn't die was that he walked with God. But that's all he says. He doesn't explain himself. He doesn't explain what it means to walk with God. But it's somehow connected with the fact that he didn't die. He's an exception to the rule. The curse of sin brings death. And what do you know? He beat death. So what does it mean to walk with God? Well, a canonical approach is so helpful. We've seen that word walk just two chapters earlier with the Lord God, in Genesis 3, verse 8, where it says, And the Lord God used to walk in the garden in the wind of the day. It's the same word. So now we have a connection between something that God did in the garden with Adam and Eve and this guy named Enoch who didn't die. So we've got a link. A canonical approach sees words and themes as linked together to help unravel the story. Well, the author of Mo, uh, the author of uh, Genesis, Moses, adds a little bit more spice to the story in the very next chapter, because the next character in that same genealogy, at least the character at the end, his name is Noah. And we're told in chapter six, verse eight, that Noah also walked with God. He was blameless among the people of his time, and he was righteous. And he's the one to whom God gave instructions about preparing for a great deluge, a flood. Well, at the end of the story, we see that Noah and his family were rescued from judgment. So now we have two men. They're both said to have walked with God, something that God himself did in the garden. So we've got three people, the Lord God who walked, Enoch who walked, and Noah who walked. And the unusual thing is that by walking with God, Enoch beat death, the curse of death, and by walking with God, Noah beat the judgment. There's a connection there. Do you see that? Walk, 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 and rescuing or overcoming some sort of a threat, either death or judgment. A canonical approach sees that the story writer is connecting those main elements to help us to understand that one day we too can get back to the garden and enjoy that walking with God (laughs) in his presence, fellowshipping with him. And two men there are witnesses to that effect. But we don't know exactly what walking with God means. I mean, God hasn't told me to build an ark has, Has he told you to build an ark. Well, the story shows that Noah was very concerned and very serious about taking God's instructions. That tells us that he trusted God's word and he obeyed and he built his ark and he was saved by, because he walked with God. And of course, I, I want to add this real quickly. Uh, his ark was made of trees. And of course, that is a direct link back to the garden, to the tree of life. It gives us hope that in our future journey through the Bible, trees are going to play an important role. But I'm getting, I'm getting on, a, on a rabbit trail, a really good one, but I'm going to uh, keep moving and not uh, succumb to that temptation. We need to know what it means to walk with God because, after all, it seems to be pretty good stuff. One guy beat death, another guy beat judgment. And so I want to do that too. Well, the author of Genesis knows what we're thinking. God, by the Holy Spirit, he presents a character to us By the name of Abram. Who eventually is renamed to Abraham. And his story starts in Genesis 12. And goes all the way to Genesis 24. And so his life. Begins with the word walk. And his life. Ends with the word walk. God tells him to walk. To a land. That he would show him. And at the end of his life. Chapter 22 verse 1. God commands him to walk to a mountain that he would show him, and there to sacrifice his son Isaac as a burnt offering. So the life of Abraham, and by the way, his last name, if we were going to give Abraham a last name, it would be Abraham Walker, because he's the guy who shows us what it means to walk with God. He listens to the voice of God, and he obeys. Abraham heard the call, and the text, even though our English translations kind of mask this, God said, Walk, and it says Abraham walked. And in chapter 22, verse 1, when he was supposed to go to the mountain to sacrifice his son, God said, Walk, and Abraham walked. And in the middle of his life, chapter 17, verse 2, God said to him, Walk before me and be blameless, and I will establish my covenant with you. So, what the Mosaic or what the Genesis author is doing for us is helping us to connect the stories. He's helping us to see that the story of Noah and Enoch and Abraham are not disconnected. They all are connected by the word walk and by some sort of a symptom, some sort of an element that brings benefit to walking with God. Abraham is the one who was credited with righteousness. He is the champion of the New Testament. He is the one whom Paul uses uh, in Galatians 3 and Romans 4 as the champion of what it means to believe God and be justified by faith. That's an example of a canonical approach to the Bible. It sees that these stories are not disconnected. They're connected. They're together. I have another example, and this one will uh, launch us right into the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there are people who are classified or who are said to tend sheep. First person in Genesis 4 is a guy named Abel, a younger brother. He's the one who tended sheep. Then we're told about another character named Jacob, later on in the Genesis story, who he also tended sheep. The same is said about Joseph. Jacob's son. He tended sheep. And then the next story is about Moses, the ruler, the one who became ruler of Egypt, second in command. He also tended sheep. And finally, someone that perhaps you've heard of before, David. David started out as a shepherd boy, and specifically the term he tended sheep is also used of David, but no one else. What are we to make of these guys? Well, the author is using one little phrase to alert us. It's like a road sign. It's a sign on the side of the road that's saying, hey, these guys are connected. And if we look at the pattern of their lives, it all comes together. The dots connect. The GPS system just really is working full time, helping us to understand what's going on. Each of these men, Abel, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, yeah, they all tended sheep. And they were all rejected by their family. A brother, a family unit, a family member. And they either were killed or they fled for their life. And they disappeared. And they were viewed as dead in many cases. Such as the case with Joseph. He was no more. But miraculously, they all in some way return. And return usually with more people with them. What pattern are we seeing? A man who tends sheep, rejected by his family. They disappear for a while. They flee for their life, and then they miraculously return. Who does that prepare for us? Well, the book of Ezekiel tells us that there's going to be a future David, and he would return to Israel, and he would shepherd the sheep. Now, David was dead and buried by the time Ezekiel was written. Ezekiel is looking into the future, and he sees another person named David, or of the line of David, who is also a shepherd. That, of course, is fulfilled by Jesus, who said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus, too, was a shepherd. He, too, was rejected by his own nation, rejected by his family. He was killed and disappeared for a while, three days. But what happened? Miraculously, Easter morning, he appears. And then, because of his, his appearance, he has a new family. He, For the first time in the Gospel of John, his disciples are no longer called disciples. They're called his brothers, a new family. So the pattern that we see, the canonical pattern that we see unfolded in the Old Testament culminates in Jesus Christ, who is the one about whom all those men foreshadowed. So the story of Joseph and Jacob and Moses and David, even though they lived in different places and at different times, they're all connected. All the dots connect. They all have a purpose. They're all road signs on the side of the road, helping you, helping me as readers of the Bible to make sense of all these stories and to see they have purpose and they're helping us in our destination, this, this redemptive plan to get us back into the presence of God and we come upon Jesus and he's the one who not only fulfills these men and their lives and that pattern but he's be the one who will take us back to the promised land back to God's presence and he's the one through whom we have fellowship with the Father so those are two examples just two examples from the Old Testament that show what a canonical, Approach to the Bible is. I've only given you two and there's hundreds and they all lead us forward. They all connect together like dots on a page. They're all part of God's GPS, the Global Positioning Service. God did it. We're just kind of figuring it out right now that that's how he wrote his Bible. Isn't that cool? I love it and I hope that I've whetted your appetite for further episodes. Thanks so much for listening.
0: It. Did you like it, Thank you for joining us this episode. And remember to send all your questions to questionsforpastortim at gmail.com.